Good evening and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Reggie. Reggie's from Heaven's Edge. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm glad we can make some time. I know it's been uh, crazy during this time of year to, to gather up. So you are uh, you know, a masterful player, um, another one of the great bands that you know people say didn't, I guess they didn't get full due because let's face it, every, every rock band around late 80s took a hit. But the fact we're talking about your band right now and you're still playing, which is better than most bands. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> the fact I can, you know, go on iTunes and go here and there and see your videos on, on, on YouTube's and the YouTube's like the kids call it. Um, it's fantastic. I mean, so you have made a mark, you know, um, and you guys still sound fantastic. Oh, thank you. I know. Just look at a mini bio. Just for people that aren't aware. You guys had started back in was the 87, right? Playing the band, me and Mark put it together in 87. And, uh, we hit the ground running. I mean, he he was in a really big cover band called Network Cover slash Original. They had some great original stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember seeing him, and he was a killer bass player. And uh, I was like, "That's the guy I need in my band." And uh, but I was just like, he would never leave Network. They're just phenomenal, you know. And um, just through his his girlfriend now wife Jeannie, I'm like, "Do you think I could pass on this tape? You know, this is a, for a song I wrote. Maybe Mark would be interested in checking it out." And, uh, um he was interested and he laid down some vocals on it and we said let's give it a shot and the guy was just so dedicated like playing this cover band till two o'clock you know back then two o'clock in the morning living off by new hope driving down you know an hour and a half to my house and we write songs and uh we hit our first 17 songs and we just knew that we, uh, we had something special that's really pretty incredible the kind of chemistry i mean i, I think as an artist and you you're, you're playing in a lot of bands you know who's a knucklehead and who's going to be your your partner musically. You know you always want to find your Keith Richards, Jagger. Yes, you yes. Find them, clearly, you want to grab on tight. And and yes, absolutely. And that's exactly probably what he's he saw too because he's like, all right, this is for money. It's fun, good band, but this is a connection. This is a musical songwriting partner. Yes, and not only musical songwriting partner, but like my my family. He's my brother. Right. You know exactly. So. But at the time, you know, he knew. You know, so yeah, and pretty quickly, you guys got you know for most bands you guys got signed and you guys got huge fast playing well I, I think cinderella really opened those doors sorry to cut you off there's cinderella britney fox like you know bon jovi had come down and we were playing this uh little club called the galaxy and um bon jovi had played there and i guess he saw cinderella and really liked him and helped cinderella get a record deal and this is all you right he's all so it was at philly or in or new jersey this the, is South Jersey. Yeah. But yeah we call it the aware. Philly scene, yeah. you know, and, um, and they, they got signed and they, they, they hit it big. And then Brittany Fox and we're like, wow, we have our own little, not sunset strip, but our own little thing. Yeah. Like prior to that, nobody was getting record deals out of New Jersey, Philly. I mean, unless you were the Hooters or mm-hmm. boys, the men, you know, uh, Tommy Conwell, Robert Hazard, I think bands like that, but no, like, hard rock bands uh, hair metal bands you know i didn't know you guys were a philly band when i first heard you guys so i remember I, I had the cassette you know and, and and i was in college in atlanta i'm in new england obviously but um, i was in college in atlanta and i got the cassette and i just assumed you know like all the other bands migrated out until you know hollywood to get make the deal right right I didn't know that because i mean when you knew like britney fox oh cinderella was from philly and then saw bon jovi in jersey and you knew that story and you go oh britney fox is the you know the branch off from that the other label was right. trying to do, but you guys were not that same 
you guys need to look similar, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, but people just started looking in in our area. And I guess the main thing is this this gentleman, Bill Haig, who owned this club, The Galaxy, and Bonnie from a place called Bonnie's, and there was this Empire Rock Room in Philly. They allowed bands to do original music because prior to that, it was all cover music in this area. Um, there was a huge booking agent, Apollo Artist, who, um, Freddie Baker, wonderful person, and uh, God rest his soul, he, you know, he was the biggest booking agent, but to play this area, you had to be a cover band, and uh, I was in a cover band, uh, Warrior, we were doing like Judas Priest, living after, you know, songs like that, and, um, you know, I think he caught us doing originals one night, and we were canned, but that could have been the best thing that ever happened to me, you know, it was a uh, we, I, we, um, and then my singer in Warrior was just like, dude, what are you wasting your time doing other people's music? You got to, you know, 16, 17 at the time. He's like, you got to write your own music. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, so. I totally agree with that. When I was, when I was in bands and singing, I, that's what I did. I was there like, let's do a bunch of songs. We did like three covers. I'm like, I like 10 original uh, originals. But people don't like that though. Also, when they go to take you to a party, they have you 10 of your originals. <laughs> a couple yes, of covers. yes. So, I mean, I I get get the concept. People want to dance to music. They want to dance or hear music they know. So of course you do. They want to hear the songs that are on the radio. But for an original band, and I'm I'm a true believer that you can't split it. Like there were a lot of bands that were like network, half cover, half original. Like I think you need to just give a thousand percent to your original music so you for, form your own identity. You can't be your own person when you're doing half your night doing journey songs. You know, right. So that is actually it's funny you actually mentioned journey because it the not that I feel like you guys sound like journey, but you got such a, a strong melody with strong rocking guitars that re- reminds me very similar. Oh, like, thanks. Journey, oh, okay. like, like like during like the power songs, like you know, Stone Cold, like the really powerful, you know, when Neil's just right, right. I'm not just talking about like the big bowels, I'm not dogging them or saying anything good or bad about them. I'm just saying the blueprint of having strong, powerful in our melodies was was just you know. The guitars and then and then there's the keyboards because you were also a piano player now you were raised piano and took up guitar and you know i i saw an interview you did and i i think it's funny when your parents got on you after beating you down and playing music for so long I do this and you're like really really in the chinese culture it's all about education and going on to be a doctor and then my brother and sister's both doctors and uh they're all you know all awesome musicians but um you know, I want to do music and they were so against it, you know, so I'm just like, you know, oh, well. It's so funny though, it really is funny. Um, the interview I'm talking about, for people that don't know, um, we refer you over to the Heaven's Edge um, website. It's on YouTube, if you just Google Reggie also, but it's also linked on the, on their on their website. It's, pretty, it's, it's a fun little interview. It's kind of a good soup to nuts. And that's why we're not going to go too deep. We don't have to go too deep. And, you know, the bio, we can talk about things nowadays, you know, current. Right, right. I don't okay. have to live in the past forever, but just to bring people up to speed. So you guys got signed and released uh, your first great album. And then I know, and that was after that album is when um, your bass player, right? He got shot or something. Yeah, guy. right. Right. As we uh, were releasing the first record, uh, we were having a little party at the Empire Rock Room, the color was just mentioning. And um, some drunk guy was just like, you know, causing problems. Bouncers like, get out of here. You're out. Throw him out. Drunk guy was like, I'm coming back and killing everybody. And this is back in 1990 when guns weren't that big, you know? And very sadly, guns are like 
it's like normal now. It's, it's right. nuts. You just hear here in Philly, like the homicides with the guns are just off the charts. I'm like, do people really just carry guns and like kill people? And just, that's what's happening. But back then it was not um, a big thing. And he came back with the sawed off shotgun. Me and my wife had literally left two minutes before uh, George left and it could have been us. And um, he just came back with uh, the shotgun. It was a sawed off shotgun. So, Apparently, sawed off means it goes like this. It sprays yes, it um, rather than a big hole like in the middle again. And maybe that was a blessing. I don't even know. But he took, you know, over 150 pellets from here down. And wow. um, and just uh, he stumbled back into the club. You know, his groin was just gushing everything. And just, you know, and, and uh, he uh, he was he was just wonderful. I mean, I love all the guys in the band, but George was our rock star. He was our Tommy Lee, you know? He was, he was very exciting. And, um, and he, unfortunately he, he passed not that long ago. So yes. that wasn't his time then. He still, he still had some rocking to do. You know, he came back strong and, uh, you know, the, the label or management were like, we need to find another bass player. And we're like, no, we, we got to wait for him. Like, you know, and in that little wait, you know, grunge came in and knocked us out. And that was the end of our career. It was going to happen. Even Eventually. If it is more important that you showed loyalty. Absolutely. You know, it, it, you know it's just better human being. Because listen to me, so people always have like regrets. Like, so say you didn't see you, you did it. You had an extra couple extra months or whatever. It's no guarantee. No. Right. Right. Or and then you guys, or there been no guarantee. You guys are friends now, and you guys didn't get back together and still play at this point right. in your life. That could have been it. Right. So I um, you know, everything's still, for a reason. You know exactly. It's you know, and it's sometimes it's more important to do the right thing for the right reason. Absolutely, right. and and everything will work out. You know, more more than often. Um, so like I said, grunge kind of killed a lot. Everybody, the record stations killed everybody. The copying of everybody killed ate, ate itself. <laughs> the rock yeah. was not a, it was not helping itself at that point by having the 15th copy of a copy of a copy either yes right right um but to the point you guys said um separated and then um you started doing some other music right with another band uh, a couple of guys had started doing some other stuff well me george the bass player and dave the drummer mark mark just said i've had it i'm out you know and uh he started um a band, you know, a cover band, just to make sure some money was still coming in. And it's me, George, and Dave. We tried to go grunge. We got a singer, Sean Carmen, and uh, we we were called American Pie. And um, you know, we were trying to do the whole flannel shirt, but people saw right through it. You know, we weren't we were not uh, miserable people. No, I don't want to say no. But the other problem is, is like a lot of guitar players that can really play. You know. Yes. You really lost your place there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Which, which brings me to like one of my favorite guitar players nowadays is Mark Tremonti. Like, how did he put out all those Creed records without soloing? Like, he wasn't known as a guitar player. You know what I mean? And he comes out with Alter Bridge, and here he is. He's freaking like the next big thing. He's unbelievable. And all those solo records, he's an incredible guitarist. Like, I agree. Actually, you know, I didn't even realize it. Just, I feel like it stuck upon me. Was where did he get all this material from? Because he has. Tremonti, and then he has Ultra Bridge, uh, and then he was Creed. Like, I mean, how many albums does this guy have in him of this material? It's spectacular, and there's not a bad song in there. He's uh, he just he's so prolific, you know. Him and Miles Kennedy, obviously, that's super yeah. special together. Um, and then Miles but, going solo, and then Miles doing stuff with Slash, another one, just more like yeah, just, just churning it out, the songs out of them. Yeah, it's crazy. 
You know, the worst thing somebody told me was John Lennon said to somebody, well, you know, the well's going to run dry one day. And like, that's in my head. I'm like, is my well dry? <laughs> well, sometimes you just have to have another spot to get the spring going again. That's all. Yeah. Inspiration, <laughs> And sometimes, it's, you know, that's what drives people. That's why usually artists have so much going on or more tragedy, all, you know, all kinds of things. Right, right, right. You get um, too, you're complacent. It's like, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, but you're right, Tremonti. My God, just all this Creed, mm-hmm. Solo, and Alter Bridge, just putting it out. And I just heard they're doing another Alter Bridge record right now. Oh, I'm sure. Damn. They probably just did an album while we were talking. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's a new double album just done when we started this interview. I mean, yes, it's unbelievable. The bar so. is raised by them. And, you know, and that's the thing. So, like, but him coming out, it really wasn't so grungy. He had the rock thing. So, that is really kind of weird how, like, the overlap of newer, younger musicians that were coming out. At the tail end of metal, but, but went right into grunge. So you kind of had their legs in each side of the fence. How that developed, you know what I mean? To the next generation. Right, yeah. I mean, was that where you were getting, you know, your Tremonte, you were getting your, some of the guys from Shinedown. Um, some of the other bands, you feel like there's a, definitely a rock or rock and metal influence. Yes, right, right. And, but it's not the same as what it was also. No, but it, yeah, I mean, another band I love, Shinedown, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, just, uh, they still have that rock element, a lot of melody, right. you know, lots and lots of melody. And um, I love them. They're great. 6 a.m., you know, just all yep. good stuff. All good well, stuff. Well, 6 a.m. was in the 80s, uh, guys off from the 80s, so they know how to write a good metal song. And a good yes, song. yes. He's tremendous, Nikki Six. Very, oh, very it was a great, a great mixture, though, too. Um, yes. All, all three of the guys together made a good combo. Um, so to that point, you did some other stuff, and but then you guys got back together again. And you guys have been doing stuff on and off. Well, me and Mark never lost touch. My drummer, Dave, um, was married to my wife's sister. So, you know, he was family. Was him. <laughs> yes. And uh, unfortunately, they're divorced now, but it's all good. Um, and Steve and George, we still kept in touch. Like, that's what made us, like, not special, but we were just, we had that bond. Like, yeah. we went through the highest of highs together, the lowest of lows. And, um we were still family. So like back in like, I don't know, 2007, 2008, like we stopped playing. Okay. Like 93, 94, Mark and Pie, that was the band with Sean. We just said, you know, enough is enough. You know, we're not getting anywhere. And um, like Dave said, we were forced to find other ways to survive. And, th- and that was a good thing. You know, I, I, I ran an ad in the newspaper and my mom being a classical pianist always had me teaching um and i'm like reggie from heaven's edge uh looking you know giving guitar lessons i got my first 17 students in 93 and um just that's all i do now you know so i'm I'm truly blessed and um it's awesome and you know you lose touch with people but with facebook and all the social media i'm still in touch with all my students from back back in the day it's pretty cool to see you know now they're grown-ups with kids and stuff you know it's very cool and um so 93 through, you know, I think we did two gigs, um, 93 through 2013. One was for um, our friend Tom Gillum, who was um, the singer for a, a big band in Jersey called Gypsy Rose. He was sick, so they needed a benefit. And um, there was another for Tommy Carter for the band called the Dead End Kids. They were phenomenal. And um, Dead End Kids should have been our Motley Crew from this area. They were just awesome. If you ever just ask around, people, like everything Cinderella, Britney Fox and Heaven's Edge did weeks all stole from the Denny kids. You know, they spun the guitars in unison, they, the kicks, everything was uh, 
dead end kids and a uh, big, big, big time influence on uh, all of us. And uh, so, um, you know, we, Tommy was the bass player for the dead end kids. So, so I think it was just those two gigs, but then like around 2007, 2008, this guy Kieran starts calling me up and it's like, you got to come to London and play. And I'm like, dude, I'm not coming to London and play. It's like, he's just like, you got to come. So year after year, he would hit us up, like come out and we, you know, we get these offices for Rocklahoma. And I'm like, guys, like that music's like 20 years old at this point, you know, like, you know, it's hair metal and I don't have hair anymore, you know? So like, I'm not um, doing it. And then my wife, um, you know, she got had breast cancer and she beat it. And um, that was 2013. I was like, you know what? You only live once. Let's go do this gig. You know, let's, yeah. so we, um, Rounded up the guys and we went out to London and we had the most spectacular time of our life. You know, we played in front of this thing of Firefest and the audience knew like all the words. It was spectacular. I'm like, holy cow, like there's a really a scene. And um, after that, you know, we, we just said, let's do a couple of these a, a year, you know. And then we got involved with the Monsters of Rock Cruises, the Mount Monsters of the Mountain and the M3s. And, you know, just doing some of these festivals just to, you know, dip our feet in and feel good about it once or twice a year that's good i mean a lot of these bands are doing better now doing less gigs and just fly out yeah than they were back in the day you right. know, it's funny i can't do the i can't do the you know um just gigging from night to night it's just not i, I don't think anybody is anymore actually I don't, you know yeah yeah also do you don't make any money i think you know who's it um with the enough enough situation with the split band Okay. Donnie has said that, you know, the market value is it's more, he will make more money. And this is actually in relation to all bands that have done a split. You know what I'm saying? If you fly into a, a gig more central, you'll probably make more money there than going town to town in that little area for 50 right. bucks a night, 50 bucks a night. And you really and then come back again a second time. You're really kind of beating it, you know, it's a little more excitement if you come in once. In a yes, big absolutely. So the market value, and it wasn't a dig towards the other members that should uh, enough. enough but it's just the fact that other bands have said that too. Your market value is different if you just oversaturate the market. Exactly. Like we've been offered to do law, you know, like go to Maryland and play, mm-hmm. you know, or come up to like your way and play. But we're like, let's just go to one gig and we'll do M3 in Maryland, you know, rather than, you know, we love this club called Hammerjacks, um, which I heard is now reopened again. And we've I gotten, yeah, I heard the reopening again. And, uh, but for us, it doesn't make sense to, do it there and then go to M3, you know, like it just, you know, oh. like you don't want to oversaturate. And same thing here in Philly. Like we just got offered to do a big show um, sometime in June and it's got, you know, 30 bands on it. You know, uh, I don't know who, who are some of the bands on it, but I'm just like, well, if we do that, that'll kill our, like we usually try to do like one local show a year pre COVID. We've obviously been off for the two last two years. Um, and I said, well, if we do this thing in June, it's going to hurt our numbers maybe in the fall, you know? Yeah. So it could be, you know, we've had a few loyal people here. Um, yeah, I went to Hammerjacks. I, uh, I was too young when I lived originally down in the Baltimore, Maryland area. But later on, when I was in school, we ended up driving down there. Uh, well, actually, up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to go do the clubs. I always wanted to go to Hammerjacks. Hammerjacks is awesome. Oh, my God. What a club. You felt like a rock star there, you know, the big lights. The crowd, the balcony, people looking down. It was pretty awesome. Definitely our favorite place to play. But the thing is, you know, just like, like uh, get off get off my lawn type of thing. But the clothes back then were really pretty good, though. I mean, really, when you're seeing rock shows, 
back in the you know eighties and you know late into the nineties. It was always like in Atlanta. You ever play Masquerade? No, we never did that. It was like a, uh, it was like two or three floors, and like when you go in, it was like there's it was heaven, hell, and like purgatory, and like purgatory. I could be remembering this totally wrong and inaccurate. Right. And, uh, and if people hear that and want to correct me, don't. Um, <laughs> no, but, but like it was like it's like a like a cafe, like a psychedelic weird alternative cafe. And then you know, in heaven upstairs, where all the bands played, where you see like Pantera and Prong and everyone. Oh, like, cow! And all the rock bands. That's where I saw them. It was up up there, and it, but they had a huge stage and stuff, and the fencing around it. And downstairs, hell was like a dance club. It was a big mixture, and all bodyguards were like eight feet tall and black. But club, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just. Nowadays, you're not going to see that. Oh, my God. My students come in and they're like, we had a great gig last night. It was packed. There was like 40 people. I'm like, that's awesome. You know? I'm like, wow. I guess that was my guest list. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, wow, things have shortchanged, you know? So. Well, and, and the media presence is different, too, because they can be a celebrity right. on Instagram, but they go down the road. Right. We get 10 people in the club. Right. I know. It's, it's nuts. So, and and well, that's, that's, that's where we lack. I do not know the whole marketing with the internet. Like some of my students, like, you know, they, they put out something and, you know, they get a million hits. I'm like, I put out something and I get like six hits. I'm like, how are you doing this? You know, well, I'll say, I have a few things I've been kind of playing around with it. And I, I have my, my numbers are a little bit lower than others. Cause I'm not the aggressive that promotion. Cause I'm more about quality and talking to people and stuff. But like, these, I don't think all these clicks and numbers always translate. Unless you're like this huge, huge, huge thing and you're like selling like makeup or something. I mean, right. a million clicks is not going to mean you're making money off it just because people are looking at it or curious. Right, right. It's a, right. I click on things all the time that I'm not going to get. Right. How does it translate into money? Yeah. They get money and, and they're living on their own. You have a website with a million things, but if you're still living at your parents' house. You're not right, that impressed. Right. But right. PR agencies are looking at those numbers. I hear it from me. I hear it from other people, other other bigger celebrities have platinum albums. PR agencies are like, yeah, but what are your numbers? They're like, I've had a couple of platinum albums. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it translates to. All I know is uh, I had a little side band, which um, called Ever After. Mm-hmm. And we put a lot, you know, a lot of work into it. And, um, you know, Jim Darnick on drums. He was originally with Tangier and Cinderella. Wow. Um, Buddy Cash from Hydra Daughters, just killer bass. Player. And then we had a singer from Denver, you know, we ran some, found them on Craigslist and we kind of record this thing without, without ever meeting each other. We just send stuff around and, um, you know, we finally finished 12 songs. We put out a CD and, um, you know, I'm like on Facebook. And at that time back in Facebook, you know, I'm accepting everybody. My wife's just like, you don't even know these people. I'm like, I'm just taking anybody I can. So when I have, when the time comes, I can be like, check this out. And, uh, you know, I got my 5,000 friends, whatever, friends, and uh, the Ever After CD comes out, and I throw it on there. We're not even trying to make money. We just want people to hear it, and right. I'm like, check out this Ever After CD, and, um, you know, uh, here's the YouTube link, and then I get this little thing saying, if you want to boost this post for 20 bucks, I'm like, and then I look at my numbers, and I'd be like, wow, like five people liked it. Like my dog could sneeze and I could get, you know, 300 people liking it. It's just like, so somehow in their algorithms, they know how to squash it, you know? The band and doing stuff at your age. And I'm 51 and you're 59. Watching you guys do your stage mark, you're, you're so choreographed doing those moves. That to me seems like it's probably harder 
to do as playing music <laughs> at this point to be doing yeah. those moves. Right? That's why we only do two gigs a year because it takes us all that time to recover. You can shred on your couch, but you guys are like turning and kicking and like I'm like there goes my back. Uh, it would be booze in the back, it'd be like aspirin and like heating pads and <laughs> you know we definitely feel it a lot more. Um I know that Mark was just Mark was just saying that it takes me like two or three days to recover from Michelle, you know, and uh uh, me, I, I still am like, like after my wife, you know, with the breast cancer and all that stuff, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to work out. So I do like this insanity workout every morning. I haven't missed a day in like 12 years. And, uh, really? yeah, I'm just like, I'm insane with this. Like I, I'm about as OCD. My wife is screaming about how OCD I am. And, um, you know, I have to get it in. It just starts my day off. Right. You know, just a half hour, 45 minutes of insanity. And, uh, you know, T T25, like Insanity Max. What's the other one? P90. You know, I just have all my little DVDs. Oh, look, I just have, I even have it here. I just did it. I just did it uh, this morning, you know? Wow. So, you, you get that uh, on Napster? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I just do it. You know, it just makes me feel good. You know, it's just like, it just, uh, and I swear it gives me energy when we do play. Like, I feel like I could run around all night on stage, you know, because this is like, these Insanity programs are grueling. Like I remember yeah. when I first started, I was going to throw up, you know? Yeah. I mean, you guys still perform at the same level. I mean, from oh, thanks. it's crazy. I mean, that's, that's, no, I noticed I'm like, wow, you guys are not dialing it in at all. I mean, it's, you know, well, at the beginning it was, a, we were like, should we do it? Like, is it cheesy now? Like, do you think people will look down? And my baseball George was like, people will look forward to it. Let's go up and just have fun. Who cares what people think? And so we just did it and we got such a good response. We said, we got to keep doing it. Of course, you know, coming soon, we'll be doing our kicks from a wheelchair. It's, you know, <laughs> choreographed and somebody pushing your chairs around together. Yes. <laughs> you, you all get your nurses to work together to do the, the turns at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You got that. But it was, yeah. You got, I was watching you got like little cues, to, you know, to do certain moves because obviously there's some flexibility in it. But you guys know your little cues when to jump in and do those little moves too. It's pretty well thought out. It's just, we, it's funny. We've just been doing these songs for so long. Like, I don't think we could do these songs without the moves. The moves are like almost as part as the notes. We're just so used to it, you know? So it is, it is really good. So let's talk about a little bit what you've been doing for um, teaching. And so you are accepting uh, students, right? I'm always accepting students and just, uh, I just, um, you know, my mom, um, she's a classical piano, piano teacher, and she had us, going age three you got to play the piano and age you know third grade you got to pick up a second instrument and um you know so she and then she would like I was 15 and I had my first student and I would you know Charlie Granito I'll never forget and, uh, you know we just I I always taught and she and it's funny you know talking about um you know the, the sadness that's going on in my life with my parents and just uh you know so we're cleaning out their house yeah and i'm just like wow look at this like my mom like had me like writing songs like in 1973 when i was like wow. 11 years old you know and i'm like look how neat my handwriting was it is really neat i'm like you should see my handwriting now my students like make fun of me it's like they, my handwriting's illegible at all February that was 1st, because you were supposed to be a doctor that's your doctor yes yes so you see that's that's my writing yeah. but uh 1973 you know and I'm, so I found all these songs I wrote when I was like a little kid. Now you have to and release I, them, right? There's going to be a release, big release date for it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be at that party. 
And then I found these amazing, I gotta, I gotta plug my mom with all that's going on, but look at these songs she wrote, you know? I'm just like, look at these songs, mom. You're like spectacular. Um, she wrote a song for my sister. I didn't get one, you know? I don't know what happened there. I'm well, like, no, wait, what'd your sister do for career? Well, she's now a dentist, but she, my sister's the prodigy of the family. Um, if you got a rope job, so there you go. (laughs) (laughs) She toured the world as a pianist at age 12 to 14. Um, We have video of her with full 88-piece orchestras behind her and, like, her playing the piano. And and she did Spain, Norway, China, Italy. Like, like, here are my little sisters kicking my ass, like, in the music world. And, um, you know, she turned 17, got accepted to UPenn, and that was it. She's like, I'm done. You know, she still loves piano, but um, she just does it now uh, for fun. Same as my brother. He's an uh, infectious disease doctor up in uh, Connecticut. And um, he's he's an awesome musician as well. But I'm the only one who unfortunately did, didn't become a doctor. I just stuck with the music. <laughs> well, you, maybe Rob thought you could write your own songs. But that yes. level, but being a classical musician at the level is different of um it's not as much party. It's very dry. It's a lot of practicing. It's not as much fun as a career being a rock and roller. Yes. No, it's definitely not, but the clothes is not as cool. Not as, not as definitely not as cool, but um, just, I just wanted to, you know, how much my mom instilled music in all of us. And, you know, that led to today's teaching, you know, when um, the band got dropped by Columbia, I was the only one in the band that had a, 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 family i had a little girl at that point she must have been 93 she probably was like five or six and um you know it was panicsville i had all my custom ibanez guitars i was like i had uh the set fifth so ibanez came to me and they're like um steve i invented the seven string are, are you interested in it and i'm like yeah like not even now they're like well steve's getting the first four and you, we'll give you the fifth one like on the back it's the numbers was like zero 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 five so like the fifth one ever made i sold that for like 400 bucks you know and somebody was just like just in the last five years i was just like talking to somebody guitar center and telling them the story and they're like you know that guitar is probably worth a lot more than 400 bucks yeah, like a house yeah. i'm just like oh don't even tell me that but you know you do whatever you have to do to survive you know right and, so uh, wrong. you know that is amazing though i know and then you fast forward a couple of years later you know it's facebook and i found the guy he's actually a friend of mine andy and i'm like dude would you think of selling that guitar back to me and he's like absolutely not that's my baby i'm like no problem <laughs> it's all good you saved my but back then, you know, so. at least you know where it is and it's still being played. That's the other thing with instruments and musicians. How many can you play? Yes. You have here. You mean now I can look behind me and tell you, I have my kids play. I have a couple of mine, the Ibanez, um, actually two Ibanez and the Aria Pro are mine. A couple of my kids, the ukuleles and the bass. So everyone has a handful, you know, through the house that they still play. I mean, there's a point where you have too many. Right. For me, at least. You know, right. I, I I'm, not, I'm not that guy. I'm like you. I like to look at him, but I also can understand, like, if you look at, you know, like Steve Eyes, Harmony Hut, and I go, all right, if I had that in my wall, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with it either. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> or Joe Bonamassa, like, right. Slash it, and Yangbag. Nerdville and stuff. I mean, I love it. I'll geek out. But yeah. in my world of money and how I, how I live, I'm like, in, in my skill level, I'm like, I feel good with a couple of guitars. You know, I'd feel weird yes. having a wall full. You yeah. Know? I mean, my guitar tech always says I'm the easiest guy to work with because since 1977, I've been playing the same Strat. 
this is it. I just, I'm, I'm a one guitar player dude. And you'll, wow. 99% of the pictures of me are all with the same guitar. Yeah. But what, what, kind, uh, what, is it? what kind of guitar is it? It's, it was a Fender Stratocaster. Um, I went to get my, um, I guess it would be my fourth or fifth fret job on it. Mm-hmm. And the guy, uh, my tech was just like, there's no more wood to work with. So uh, I had to go get another neck. I went to this company based, I don't remember the name. Uh, they're out of Ireland. They specialize in Fender necks. They took all my dimensions of my Fender neck and um, duped it. I always like the Joe Perry look, the upside down headstock. So I'm uh, Hockey six. Yeah. The only thing I did different was uh, that. But other than that, this is my Fender neck. And, uh, you know, I worked on a tomato farm back in 1977. Uh, I made 400 bucks that summer and my dad fronted me the other 400. And uh, this is the guitar that I use. If you look at all the videos, it's this guitar. Yeah. You know, I, I, guitar. You know I go from I start the show with it and I end the show with it. So if I break a string, that's the only time you see another guitar on me. You know? So. What is your other guitar? What is your backup guitar? Is another um, what do you got? I, I'll, well, with a lot of these shows, um, like the M3s and the Monsters of Rock, they'll have other guitars for you. And that's what I'll, I'll just use one of theirs. Because, you know, checking, you know, flying into a gig, checking like multiple guitars in your suitcases and stuff is a pain. So you just bring and, your uh, one. Yeah, you, I just bring the one. You buy a you, ticket for it? Do you have a separate t- ticket for it? Uh I will beg and plead. I'm like, can I bring it on? And a lot of times, sometimes they'll let me bring it on, but a lot of times they'll let me bring it up to the, just as you're about to get on the plane and uh, they'll walk it down with the strollers and the wheelchairs and, and place it in there. You know, I won't check it back at the luggage because, uh, yeah. you know, I, I just uh, get scared. of. What, well, pretty soon, you, like you said, you might be guys in wheelchairs and you can just keep your guitar in your lap when yeah. you're getting wheeled out for your performance. So along with my wheelchair, along with your wheelchair. Oh yeah, yeah. What's that? They're pushing you in the wheelchair. You can kind of grab your guitar on your way down the thing. <laughs> yeah, but, but the the model for, for for a lot a lot of these bands now they're doing these shows is they have extra guitars, but they only bring their one guitar. Yep. They'll buy a ticket for it usually, or like you, they'll figure out a way right. to get it on protected because you don't want to do luggage. Right. Or, you know, you got to protect your. That, it's usually one guitar, and they have backups, or they something like that. You know, even the sound systems are all like broken down, in like tiny modules now, and everyone's got everything totally. Well, Rody can put everything to like one box, you know, right, and right. And they plug in like the new PA system adapter modules into that PA system. They're like, everything is so easy now. You give like one person and, you know, carry your uh, gear. Yeah, it's, 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 it's nuts. I mean, the days, I just remember like, all I wanted was like two Marshall stacks growing up, you know, I'm just like, I want these two Marshall stacks and I finally got it. And, uh, you know, the days of logging that around are like done for me. I'm like, forget that. Like, I'll just bring a little combo amp and uh <laughs> exactly. And that's know. the thing. What are you using for um for gauges in your strings? I love to ten, ask. I use the 10 gauge, 10 uh dudes areas, 10 through 48, 42, 48, somewhere around there. That's what so I mean. the big thing is uh, we were talking about you know strings and everything else and um strong fingers and, and are you how much how often are you playing now? Well, you're being a teacher, you probably play more than most people because a lot of people, yeah, but like they don't like, play that much, you know. I play a lot. Um, well, I'm addicted to the piano. Um, another thing, my wife thinks I'm insane. I'm down there every day for half hour, hour, just trying to dissect like Chopin or Liszt and just trying to figure out, like, wow, these guys freaking wrote these songs. I would say they wrote these by candlelight, you 
know, they didn't have what we have today, you know, Pro mm -hmm. Tools or Logic or whatever. Um, they were just writing it out. And it's just, it just blows my mind. You know, like those are the true geniuses of the world. So I'm big time into piano. And then along with that, I did back off practicing guitar for years. When grunge hit, I'm like, why don't, why bother practicing anymore? Nobody, you right. know, and I'm killing myself for those years. I feel like those are lost years. I should have, uh, you know, because I, I'm, I'm real regimented in my thing. And uh, so I've been playing a lot, trying to recoup, you know, trying to get some chops going again, but the arthritis is killing me. Are you teaching piano too? I teach piano and um, guitar, bass, drums. I'll do whatever, you know, and uh, and uh, and it's fun, you know. I it's it's I love my students, and uh, so I'm playing, but I'm not playing because I'm like this is a C chord, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, it's not. I I backed away from the shredders. I've had so many shredders through the years, and the one thing I found out, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but like musicians are very un unreliable. <laughs> You know, they either got gigs or they're all, yeah. they don't have money, they're all the thing. So I just, I backed off and I said, I got to get more consistent with my teaching. And I just went more family oriented, you know, and, and I just love the little kids, you know, and I don't care, you know, we're learning, you know, when the saints go marching in or Mary had a little lamb, you know, so it's not like I'm playing, playing anymore, you know, but back in the, when I first started teaching, I would get all shredders, you know, and I'd be like, holy shit, I got to start practicing, you know, uh, trying to keep up, you know, but uh, now, you know, I'm just like teaching the latest uh, Olivia Rodrigo song or the B Billie Eilish songs, you know, no shredding in those songs. Well, I, I said, because it's always interesting to me when you say like where, you know, certain people aren't on, on tour or they're like, yeah, I put the guitar down. They don't touch it for months on end. You know what I mean? Well, no, that's on me. I, there's, there's a you know, you've heard that though. Right I, know, I know I can, I can yeah. do a bunch of players. I'm not going to. Yeah. Them at interviews and i'm like what and they're like i have no i don't know calluses on my hand i'm like i actually played i was playing today i haven't played that much lately my hand was hurting especially in acoustic it's like oh yeah even if you have decent strings it's not it's not the, the cheap steel ones it's like just regular nice strings you're still right. still like the the metal splitters for the egg salad or the egg slitters you know, the right, metal, right 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 slice oh um no i'm i'm on a guitar every day and um you know and I'm starting to pick it up again, you know, and just trying to get my tone together um, and just, you know, just, just getting back into it again. You know, we got M3 coming up in a couple of months. I think what May 7th, we're doing M3 and uh, don't want to make an ass myself out of myself. So I got to at least try to show up because those shows like freaking every guitar player is great. And you're just like, damn. I've yet to go to any of those things or any of the boat things or I've, I've, I'm going to, I'm not a big fan of crowds or boats and stuff, but yeah, I'm looking at these things. I'm like, ah, oh, people keep telling me, you gotta go, you gotta go. So I'm gonna make it to one of these soon. It's it's funny, like I literally do our show and I'm out of there. I'm go, I don't hang, I don't watch any of the other bands. I just, uh, yeah, we just did a man's Monsters of the Mountain, I guess last um, October, I, th I guess it was. I don't even know November, and uh, it was with um, you know a whole bunch of bands and. Um, we played and I left and then I get back to the hotel and they're like, Vince Neil just fell off the stage and broke three ribs. <laughs> he like went on like right after us or something. Like, Oh my God, I should have stayed. Not that I want to see the guy get hurt, but like, I'm like, Oh, I missed all the action, you know? It's, you know, but did you have relationships with these guys also? Because you guys came from Philly and the, the time you guys were on the same tour, like a lot of these artists now, 
it's like high school reunions because they're all played together in LA and they're all in different bands together that swapped out. Right. Versions. So they no, have, I, I, so I mean, the, guy, the, camping. the guys in my band definitely had relationships, especially my drummer. I mean, he's just in the industry, so he knows everybody. I was always the guy with the family. So I, I don't, I just backed off. I don't, you know, um, you know, I know some of the guys out there enough to say hello, you know, but I still, you know, I met Nuno Betancourt, you know, on, I met him a couple of times, but apparently I met him, you know, on the last cruise and I couldn't even talk, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I think I told him I like your songs. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I told Nuno Betancourt I like your songs. Like I couldn't come up with anything better than that. (laughs) I'm sure he gets that quite a bit. Um, (laughs) He's the most chill dude too. Like, and a great singer. Ah, so I love his solo stuff almost better than extreme. You know, he's just super talented. Oh my God, just mega talented. One of the best guitar players out there. And we're we're friends with Robbie, their manager. Mm-hmm. And um, they supposedly have an album in the can that is supposed to be just mind blowing. I can't wait till it comes out. You know, um, I guess they're shopping it around for the right label. But I, from the people that have heard it, have just said it's a mind blowing. And I can't even imagine. You know, it's like spectacular on the guitar. You know, he can go and you can see him on a. Um on YouTube playing a small club with somebody. And then he's also, you know, 15 minutes later, he was playing like on tour with Rihanna. And yeah. then you know, five days later, he's on tour with Extreme. And then he's also back in a club again doing something else. Like he is just guitar, wherever. Guitar, yeah. yes. He's he's definitely my, like obviously my path, you know, with all the people that I loved were like, you know, I started with Richie Blackmore, just, you know, and obsessed with him and then eddie van halen came along and that well, changed eddie, my life you know well, yeah well, eddie actually you can hear it in some of your style and your, you know just yeah just like eddie was just it and then randy rhodes but uh, very sadly i heard it was just 40 years since the plane crash like yesterday or something that's insane um so that was cut too short and then i you know got in my yingbei phase you know but you know there's only um, there's only a certain amount of notes you can listen to you know? so long. You get you know this is really good, but you get ear fatigue from me because there's a certain point where I, I just can't focus on it anymore. Yes, it's just like yeah, it's impressive. And, uh, it's like Guinness records, impressive. Yes, yeah. I, yes. I, I do need a song, especially the older I get. I need yes. a song to meet on it. Absolutely. Um. So you know, and then Nuno Nuno comes along and just blows my mind, and that was it. You know, and uh. So now, like my two faves are still like you know. Well, I love I love them all. You, you could I you know I love all the guitar players out there, but Nuno's spectacular. Tremonti, love love those guys. You know, two of the guitars I've been talking about a lot lately my, on the show is um that I also love is um Alan Holdsworth, who's passed at this point, and, and spectacular, and and um and Jeff Beck. Those are some. Oh of my guys. god, spectacular! Still playing. Jeff Beck is still getting better i mean like oh my god he is you know what i mean he's like the guitarist guitarist yes his guitar talks to you like it, i feel like it talks you know it's just like the way he's got that whammy in his hand and it's just so much just so much emotion he's just awesome just he's now and same thing with holdsworth didn't get bigger like it's just uh well holdsworth for me obviously eddie van halen was a big holdsworth guy and um i loved holdsworth was he like maybe a little bit in UK, a little bit. I don't even remember like some of the bands he was where in. Where he's from? Oh, I don't. I can't tell. No, no. He there was a band called UK. Oh yeah, yeah um, he was. He was. It was like it's only like one or two albums, I think. Right? 
Yeah, in the still of night or something. Not not the still of the night, the white snake. I don't know. They had they had some of the song. So that was my first introduction to him. And he was just on another level. Like I didn't understand what he was doing, you know? It always happens like that. And you know, to everyone else, this is obviously usually you'll be a repeat. We'll have you back. I know um as new things come up in the uh Heaven's Edge camp. Um you reach out and we'll talk we'll, we'll be in touch oh absolutely we, we have some good news coming up in the in, coming up soon so and we'll definitely yeah. keep in touch we will excellent all right